and welcome to this week's episode of Telling the Tale. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Dustin Jackson. And we're here today to discuss Sam and Max Beyond Time and Space, which is Season 2, Episode 204, Chariots of the Dogs, originally released on the 13th of March in the year 2008. It is the fourth and penultimate episode of this season. Also, hello, Dustin. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. I don't have any sort of joke to make up about this episode's theme this week. Yeah, I was... Oh, really? I was expecting one. But, uh... Well... I guess commenting on what you've done other times... Sort of maybe I'll have to maybe thing. I'll have to go back into the past to think of one. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, Dustin, did you like how I just did that opening? I really threw it around. I did a bunch of different stuff at at once. You're really mixing things up. It's almost like there's some sort of a uh, time anomaly that put the episode credits before okay. Okay. Uh, asking me. Okay, how I, how okay, I'm doing. okay. <laughs> I've had a just about enough of that. I don't need any See, more. See, I of that. started with I started with zero, and then I ended up with two. <laughs> um. Well, Dustin, tell me how you feel about Jellystone. Oh, that you threw me for a loop with that one. Uh, yeah, but I've I knew you wanted watched... to talk about it. I <laughs> <laughs> I felt <laughs> the, the hairs prickling on the back of your neck. I was really chomping. I gotta tell Mitch about Jellystone. I gotta get this out of me. Yeah. Um, I like it so far. I've only watched the first two episodes with my roommates, who you know and are friends with. Whoa, you're pacing Uh, yourself. Yeah, we're gonna watch more. Well, I've just been busy. I had a very busy day yesterday. Uh, We're gonna watch more tonight, I think. Uh, so you like it? Yeah, it's great. I'm a big fan of the uh, showrunner C. H. Greenblatt. Uh, I've liked all his shows. He's made Chowder. Harvey Beeks, he's done a lot of work on uh, Billy and Mandy and classic Spongebob, so I'm a big fan of his. I actually met him back in uh, the tail end of 2019. Um, how nice was he? Or how mean he was, very, was he? He was very nice. We ate sour candies together. Ooh, those are good. <laughs> yeah. Um, would I like Jellystone? Um... I don't know. It doesn't really strike me as a Mitchell show, but, you know, it's free on HBO Max if you have it, so... All right. It's worth a shot. I like it a lot. I think it's uh, very funny and fun. I think that I respect what it's doing, but I wouldn't Mm -hmm. personally go for it if I didn't know you. Oh, wow. Yeah. That means a lot. It's funny. I was actually thinking about this the other day. So we were talking about Scoob. And have been. You recently watched Scoob since the last episode. Yeah, I watched Scoob because you talked to me about it. And the things <laughs> that you said didn't make any sense to me. So I watched Scoob and I was like, whoa, he was right about every... This movie is wild. <laughs> this is a very strange movie. Yeah, I guess thinking about it, it is interesting what they're doing with it. It's just what they do in with it is not very interesting. Oh, don't get me wrong. I did not like it. It's not very good. <laughs> yeah, I did not like Scoob. But I did not enjoy it's, it. It's so funny because when we were talking about it, I said uh, one reason I don't like it is because they change a lot of, about the characters. Like Dynamut is a good example. Mm-hmm. The Dynamut in this movie is nothing like the Dynamut of the past. And at the time, I was like, 
you're not going to please Hanna-Barbera fans by changing it so drastically. But then Jellystone comes along and the characters' personalities and in, in various other things are so changed. And I'm fine with it here. So I guess it's less... It's less it being a problem in itself. It's just the way they did it is a problem. They they changed Dynamut and made him into a character that's not fun or entertaining. And Jellystone changes characters in ways that are fun and entertaining. Well, can, can we talk about the, the potential for the fact? I don't know if this is true. I haven't checked the science. But there's a potential for the fact that of all the Hanna-Barbera stuff, only Flintstones and Scooby-Doo were, like, any good. There's, um, there's a potential. I'm not saying it's true. No-ish. Because I'm probably not the right person to ask. Because I like a lot of Hanna-Barbera stuff, but it's probably because they're not very good. I just have... <laughs> I describe okay. them as, like, uh, charmingly shitty. <laughs> they, okay, they have but a, that doesn't they mean have you think it's bad. Them. Yeah. Well, I don't even think Flintstones and Scooby-Doo are that great. Really? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Scooby-Doo, I respect a lot about it, but even as a kid, I was like, this show is not very interesting. It's very slow, but, like, it looks very nice. If you compare it to, like, other Hanna-Barbera shows, which are, like, super cheap, this does not rely on, like, super cheap animation gimmicks that often, not as much as their other shows, and, like, the backgrounds are nice, so there's some merit to Scooby-Doo. And Flintstones was the first animated sitcom, I guess, so... Yeah, it's the, uh... It's the prequel to The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> They're the Stone Age counterparts of The Simpsons. I always thought of The Jetsons, The Simpsons, and The Flintstones because of, mostly just because of what their names are, as the past, present, and future version of the same thing. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I, n- I never thought about it like that, but I can see how you would make that uh, connection. Yeah, because you got Stone... And then you got jets, and then the Simpsons are just simple. <laughs> yeah, it's in the in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a nice little puzzle that all fits perfectly together. Speaking of nice little puzzles that all fit perfectly together, <laughs> yes, good also segue. Speaking of, also speaking of the Jetsons, there's a Jetsons reference in this episode. Yeah, speaking of uh, just jets and future and past, and the Simpsons. How how's about? Sam and Max Beyond Time and Space, episode 204, Chariots of the Dogs. Dustin, did you like this episode? So, going into this episode, I remembered nothing about what happens in this episode. I completely forgot everything. And so I was very looking I was very much looking forward to jumping into this episode and experiencing it again. And after playing it, I think it might be the best episode. Whoa, okay. Cause I remember really loving this episode um and when you say best do you mean like up till now or do you think e- even including up, season up till, three up till now not not including season three but up until now okay this episode's bananas this episode's crazy all over the place and i think it's it's so cool like how many little things how many jokes are in this episode this episode the way i would describe it is like Take episode one and three of this season, Ice Station Santa and uh, Night of the Raving Dead. Compare those to Ocarina of Time for Legend <laughs> of Zelda. Okay. How how 
those are kind of more standard Sam and Max episodes. Kind of kind of what you would expect, just kind of standard cases. They're very fun. They're very good to show someone what to expect from Sam and Max. I would consider Chariots of the Dogs the Majora's Mask in comparison, where it gets very weird and different. Not necessarily what you would use to rope someone into the series. Because I think part of the appeal of it is just how different it is. Just what you're doing in this episode compared to uh, the rest of the series so far. Yeah, I would... Um, <laughs> no, I was going to back you up on that metaphor, but it's it's so much that I need some time to digest it a little bit. You need to process it yeah, a little the, bit. The Zelda metaphor, that's kind, of, uh, it's kind of like a wild thing to say. That said, <laughs> I like that you did it, and I love the energy that you're bringing to the podcast. Thank you. That's why I'm here. um i i agree that it's a really good episode i remember i I think i remembered a little bit more i i knew there was time travel i knew there was the spaceship i remembered bosco as a cow uh that happens (laughs) by the way folks bosco turns into a cow i completely forgot about the bosco cow as soon as soon as i saw it i was like whoa (laughs) um i remembered the mariachis Mm-hmm. I did not remember the elevator until I saw it. And then as soon as I saw the elevator, I was like, oh, this, the elevator. Uh, uh. Yeah, this elevator is <laughs> yeah. going to be very important. Uh, it, it's very important. I, I think the pacing of this episode. I, okay, so here's here's what I'll say about this episode. And maybe this will fall into how you feel about Majora's Mask. But I still kind of don't understand how you feel about Majora's Mask. So So correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Um, I think this episode, from a uh, a story and tonal and puzzle perspective, is just like top marks. It's really really great. Um, there's a there's so much lore going around that is fun to keep up with, and mm-hmm. there's so many little in jokes and and so many twists that are are surprising and cool. But I also think that this episode is very. Um, claustrophobic in a way that I haven't considered the other episodes, even though they don't... This probably has more physical space to traverse, but because this episode has a hub world and then little levels coming out of it by the way of the time-traveling elevator that you use, Mm -hmm. uh, it it sort of makes it feel a little bit like I, I just can't go anywhere. And I didn't love that as much. I, w- I wonder if you had that feeling at all going through it. Um, I get where you're coming from. I liked it personally. I think it uh, helped mix things up. But again, I feel like it's only because I've been so used to the yeah. Sam and Max formula so far. I think I think it's a great way to mix things up and kind of keep things uh, condensed. I kind of like that you can go to so many different time periods, but it's just one room of each time period. You're never, like, overwhelmed with all the different places you can go. Because just imagine if, like, every single time period had, like, multiple rooms you could go in and, like, things you can miss. That is true. Although I think most of them actually do. You have the Bosco store. You can go in the bathroom. Um, actually, never mind. Not most of them, but uh, some of them do. Um, yeah, but just imagine if there were more. <laughs> ooh, I didn't think about if there were more. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff 
in previous episodes that feels like it is absent here. And I, I like that. I like that they're experimenting even this late in the season. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as I can tell, there was no plans to do a season three right after season two. As far as I can tell, I think that Telltale was always thinking about it, as evidenced by the fact that it did come out. But season two <laughs> was, like, just seven months after season one, it was an obvious conclusion. When season one came out, like, when they were advertising season one before it came out, they called it season one, which is, uh, we've talked about that as uh, Doug's first movie or Pokemon the first movie. <laughs> Uh, Very presumptuous of your success. Yeah, it is presumptuous of their success. But unlike Doug, but like Pokemon, they were correct uh, that there would be more. Uh, after season two, though, we'll, we'll get into these games as we get to them. But they took a huge break to do uh, Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People. They did Wallace and Gromit, The Grand Adventures. They did another, I think, two different CSI games. Wow. Um all of that before season three of Sam and Max. Um, I think maybe t uh, was Tales of Monkey Island before season three. Yes, it was. It was right before season three. And I remember that because once you beat Tales of Monkey Island, you get a teaser for season three of Sam and Max. You get a pirate flag with a uh, skull and crossbones of Max's head on it. Cool. <laughs> just yeah, just cool. <laughs> um that that's that's neat because every uh all of the older uh Monkey Island games also had Sam and Max crossovers in them. So that's Yeah, little references here and there. Sam and Max made cameos in like so many of those early LucasArts games. Yeah, most of them before Sam and Max even had their own game. Mhm. Mm so that that was cool. Um but yeah, they they had so many other things going on before they got to season three of Sam and Max. So, you know, if, if this company suddenly went under a good, like, eight years before it actually did, we would <laughs> not have any more Sam and Max after just this next episode. So the fact that they're this deep into it and they're really experimenting hard with how the pacing and mechanics of an episode can work um, is, is cool and... It's sort of inspiring. It, it shows that they were never bored. They never seemed bored with, uh, oh, let's just put out another one. Except for maybe Maui, uh, Moai. I, I know how to say it. <laughs> uh, Moai Better Blues, which we talked about that, two episodes ago. That thought came to mind while I was playing this episode. Like, this episode just blew me away while playing it. And I was like, wow, just to, to think just two episodes ago, we had Moai Better Blues. Yeah. Yeah, I... I guess um, from an episodic series like this, there's always, well, I don't know if always, because I don't know if we saw one in season one, but there's always going to be, is this is the hypothesis, one episode that is clearly worse than the rest. Um, like the others absorbed its nutrients in the womb. Yeah, um, well, in season one, we had different answers for the worst episode, but we were still kind of generally in the th same ballpark. We just kind of yeah. switched two and three. Well, season one also did have six episodes rather than five. So yeah, maybe the fact that there's two episodes that felt um, malnourished 
makes sense in that way. <laughs> that makes sense. Sure. Um, I You got some good math skills on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you add one to a thing, it has one more thing in it. So Wow. <laughs> um, we've been talking a lot about how it's mechanically different. We should get into that and, and fully explain it. Sam yeah. and Max arrive in a spaceship. They herald it by making a model volcano explode in Bosco's store, which is apparently how you summon T-H-E-M. He, Bosco was onto something the whole time. It turns out he was just right. Yeah, and then you get beamed up like uh, just any sort of UFO movie into a flying saucer where you find Bosco, who is transformed into a half-cow, half-man monstrosity and uh you find an elevator which has some time cards in it and if you you can use these time cards to travel to a bunch of different people's birthdays not necessarily the year that they were born but one of the years in which they were alive on their birthday yeah and you can, uh, you every time you meet a new character in the episode, you can scan them with a little uh, carbon dater gun, and you can print out a new time card based on that person you scanned. Yeah, you you start out with just the one time card, so you which is uh, Bosco's time card. So and that is his actual that, birthday. Yeah, you you scan that, and it takes you back into the sixties, nineteen sixty three, I think it was. And uh, that's where you find the uh, carbon dater on account of uh, Bosco dropping it and freaking out and running away. Yeah, because he saw his mom as a a young jive, uh, like, 1960s woman. Yeah. That would freak me out. I think that's fair. Yeah, that's a fair reaction. Yeah. I, um, if I saw my mom as a 1960s woman, I would freak out because... She would be four. <laughs> I th- I think at that exact time, 1963, my mom would be one year old. At 1963, my mom would be negative uh, three years old. <laughs> that would be even freakier. That would be freakier. That would get me. <laughs> that, w- that would surprise me. Uh, and throughout the episode, you can... Get um, birthday cards for Sam and Max and Mama Bosco and Superball and the Soda Poppers and the creation of the universe is in there. <laughs> uh, anything I'm forgetting? There's um, that sounds about right. There, there's not like a whole ton of them. I think there's like seven or eight. Yeah, and there's some characters in the episode that definitely should have time cards uh, but they they sort of make up excuses for them not having time cards because obviously it would be very difficult to make an episode that large where every one of them is a whole new room with interactions and characters and stuff to pick up and everything um, yeah it it makes sense in some cases like if you try to scan uh, there's so many different versions of Sam and Max in this episode it only just hit me how many different versions of these two characters are in this one episode yeah but you can only scan each of them once to get a time card right you only have one max and one sam 
time card because they have the same birthday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, th- but there's some that don't make sense. Like Grandpa Stinky is there. You go to the 1980s and you find Grandpa Stinky before he was probably murdered by his granddaughter. And um, you find out that he just doesn't react to the carbon dater for some reason. <laughs> he just doesn't. And they talk about well, it's it. It's fine. In, <laughs> it's fine. They talk about it in a way that implies like, oh, man, that's weird. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so so Stinky's one. Um, Mr. Featherly is in this episode. Oh, right. I, I didn't even think to scan Mr. Featherly. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work out. He doesn't. They just say like, oh, you can't. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> one one of uh, jumping ahead to the segment. Maybe I'm I'm robbing myself of a little segment juice here. But one of my favorite lines in the episode is when you try to scan the mariachis, and the mariachis say, uh, or like it doesn't work. And in response to that, the mariachis say, "The mariachi can never have a birthday for himself. It's our curse. You can only <laughs> sing for other people's birthdays." And that wow. Yeah, that's a that's that's rough. That's a rough life. Yeah, they're very deep characters. <laughs> um, did you did you check the credits of this uh, episode? Did you watch the credits? No, I should have. I wa- I was going to, but I was so distracted. So there was one particularly interesting credit on this episode. Um, I, mm-hmm. I didn't get the name of the person, unfortunately. But in the music section, one person was credited as Mariachi Consultant. Oh. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just, like, the music, just trying to get the music sounding right, or maybe a cultural consultant for Mariachi culture. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. I have no idea. I was going to ask how you felt about the Mariachis. Um... I think that they are sometimes done well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, I'm out of my depth. <laughs> Here's what I can say. Uh, it seems very much like a thing that you could easily have a, a problem with. I think they are voiced by a white guy, which is rough. Um, I think I think it might be Roger L. Jackson, who is, uh, he also plays, I could be wrong, but it sounded like Roger L. Jackson. He plays uh, Grandpa Stinky in this. He's also uh, Mojo Jojo in the Powerpuff Girls, etc., etc. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a little rough, just from a, a representation and voice acting thing. Um, but that's yeah. also not particularly uncommon. We've had this conversation about Bosco. My same feelings apply to the mariachi as they do to Bosco. Um, everything else in the episode, it, it, they there's no making fun of mariachis. Uh, no, the mariachis or... are they're presented as uh, good characters. Like they they tell you like outright like, look, we don't want to do that. This is just a job. We're not bad people. Yeah, I think we they... just want to tell tell people happy birthday and make them happy. The Hugh Bliss stuff. In the last season, um, especially on that last episode, did rub me quite a wrong way with mm-hmm. um, just the narrative being that he's trying to, 
sort of spread his personality and his personality is a thinly veiled disguise like disguise for homosexuality as he is written and he's trying to like the episode presents this as this virus uh which i think is very bad i don't know how intentional it is i i'm gonna give them the, the benefit of the doubt and say it's not yeah. um but it, it it's something that a um uh, uh sensitivity consultants could have just come in and said like hey you know actually i i don't think <laughs> you've thought about how this comes out and then they maybe, could have said, maybe oh, you rewrite this a little bit yeah maybe maybe that's really actually very bad uh i i think with the mariachis there's only one joke in the episode that i think is actually offensive potentially uh which is that they keep talking about the aliens uh, that own the spaceship and then the aliens are illegal aliens um, and that's sort of the joke of why they are mariachis because of the the dual meaning of the word alien uh, yeah people don't really like to be described that way so i would that's probably <laughs> like the one that is the crux of why they are mariachis um, yeah but that is that is just like the one bad thing the the people themselves they're kind of villains but they are also uh very sympathetic they're reluctant villain they're kind of villains but they don't want to be they just happen to be in this instant so they can be happy yeah they've they've um in this episode they sort of tipped their hand about what the whole uh cohesive plot of season two is all about which is these uh mariachis are doing two jobs throughout time and space they are going from place to place uh the thing they want to do is just sing happy birthday from everyone because they're from a like i think the 3100s or something i don't remember if we hear it but like it's from way far in the future um uh, and no one really celebrates birthdays anymore in the future. <laughs> uh, they only care about robots and Martian invaders, as described in their song that they sing. They have a great song, by the way. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing they want to do. They want to go uh, use a time machine to go back to when people cared about birthdays <laughs> and uh, sing them happy birthday. Because that's what mariachis do, apparently. Well, it's it's what this one mariachi wants to do. I, I totally forgot that all three of these mariachis are just the same guy from different time periods. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's only what one of them wants to do. Uh, two of them seem at least sort of into it. Um, there is one of them that doesn't want to be there anymore, <laughs> which, which is the middle one. So that's interesting how that works out he wants to go solo yeah he he liked birthdays in his youth and then didn't care and then got way back into him later on in his old age what you can see the character development from this one guy yeah <laughs> just in this one you get this guy's whole story yeah um the the other job that they have is picking up the souls of the damned and annoying them into submission using the Moai heads from Rapa Nui and just breaking their spirits until they can send the souls through a portal. One of the Bermuda Triangles is just in the ship for some reason. And they don't know where they go. They've just been told by their new boss, hey, if you give me these uh, souls, send them through the portal, I will pay for your spaceship time machine. 
<laughs> so we don't know who their boss is yet. Uh, we don't know why they want souls. Even the mariachis, uh, they allude to not knowing in the song. They say, uh, where they go, we don't know, but it's hot. Maybe it's Ensenada. It's probably not Ensenada. Probably not. Um, and that's that's their whole scheme. That's what's brought the season together so far. We see Jurgen from last episode um, just be demoralized as a spirit and then sent through the portal. I didn't... I don't understand why Jurgen has a soul. Because <laughs> he's undead. Shouldn't that be like... You don't have... Is that not what undead should mean? Maybe vampires are different from like zombies. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't either. Uh, <laughs> so now that all the all the cards are laid on the table, except of course, who is asking for the these souls? What do you think of the season wide narrative that's going on here? Um, I like that this episode kind of brings all these elements together. It it does kind of leave it vague still because you don't know what's going on. You don't know why this is all happening. But I, I feel like it fits them all together pretty nicely. Uh, they have the the Bermuda Triangle as the portal. They have the Moai heads. They have... Uh, it, it tells you what's been going on with uh, the souls from the last episode. Um, uh, and it leaves you wanting to know what's through that portal. What is the, the crux of this whole story? Yeah. it it uh It definitely sets up anticipation for the next episode more than any other episode this season every episode this season has felt very standalone mm -hmm. i will say though i i liked that this episode continues right off from the last episode like it's still like a totally different story but you you can feel the serialization kind of coming more into play like this happens right after the last episode. It picks up uh, where you left off. Well, they they it all feels do, like don't they? events. Kinda this I season mean, because in, in the beginning of Moai Better Blues, uh, they just drive back from the North Pole, like right then. And mm -hmm. um, I don't remember the very beginning chronologically of the last episode. But I thought it had something to do with uh, with Moai Better Blues and, and coming back from Easter Island as well. It it seemed like they had been back. Ma Max was just bathing in his uh, ceremonial bath. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think. But, uh, I mean, I guess it's not that crazy. Just because the last episode ends with uh, Flint Paper coming in is like, hey, Bosco's been kidnapped. And then it just leads right into this next episode. There really aren't many ties with the last episode but because they did that in the last episode it still feels like a story that it, it i don't know it just feels like the serialized elements are a little uh more obvious a little more upfront, i guess yeah because even though in episode two they just came back from the north pole that doesn't like mean anything really it, it nothing from the last episode plays into this and you know that's still kind of the case here but it's still like I don't know. I'm just trying to justify my <laughs> what I said without looking like a big dumb dumb head. Uh, no, it's cool. <laughs> I I like that you said <laughs> it. Um, Thank you. Well, we're definitely going to see that again in the next episode because this episode ends with uh, Sam and Max 
poorly trying to save Bosco from his soul being sucked into the Bermuda Triangle, uh, <laughs> they actually accidentally expedite the process. And Whoops. then um, Sam, Max, and Bosco's corpse all go into the Triangle. And that's where the episode ends. And we'll get uh, a follow-up to that in episode 205 of Beyond Time and Space, What's New Beelzebub? I think it's hard to know if we... um, It's hard to know if I would have figured out what next episode is going to be about because I've just known what it is for so long. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to put myself in the headspace of trying to figure out like what is the next episode about. Max does mention... He has a line at the end where he's like... uh, And... uh, he says something about seeing Sam in hell. So, but that could, that could, at the time it could be seen as just an offhand comment, but it could be seen as like foreshadowing. Oh, okay. I guess that's where they're going next. Yeah. Um, but like there, there's so much other stuff about the next episode that, um, is also foreshadowed in much more subtle ways, but I, I just don't remember. I don't know if I would have figured it out. I don't know. It's been too long. Yeah, I I don't think I would have, but by the time I played it, I think episode five was out, so I didn't need to figure it out. Um, we've sort of jumped around everywhere in the episode in the yeah, process we jumped, of dis- we, in describing <laughs> we, it. We did the last part first. Maybe that's okay. I don't think we got to describe this episode, all of these this episodes. About yeah, it's all about time travel. They were jumping around all over the place in this episode. We don't need to describe the plot details point by point for you. You get it. Yeah, you'll figure it out. You'll play it on your own, maybe, or not. Uh, I feel like this episode in particular will look great in the remaster. Especially places oh, yeah. like Stinky's Diner. Because even just from season two to season three, Stinky's Diner looks way better in season three with like better lighting it's crazy so i wonder if they're gonna do uh some crazy stuff with it when this remaster's out yeah i want to see like bad fluorescent lighting in stinky's diner (laughs) and most of it's dark like right beside the lights uh oh bosco's store with all the yeah the red lights will look great yeah that'll be cool um um i have how do you feel oh i'm sorry go ahead oh sorry I was just going to ask how you felt about the ship AI and how you can change its personality. I think and it's, what one you settled with. It's underutilized. Um, <laughs> so as soon as I found out I could do that, I set it to... Uh, the, the, the first one is p- called Politically Correct, which is just a robot that doesn't have much of a personality at all. And then I switched it to Suggestive, so it would always be <laughs> flirting with me. And I kept it on that for a while. Felt like that was pretty good. <laughs> Just uh, felt good. Just felt good to be flattered. Yeah. What did you set uh, set it to? I had it set on passive aggressive for most of the time. Yeah, passive aggressive is good too. Um, I I just felt like it was the funniest of them. But weirdly enough, the only one that comes into play for a puzzle is um abusive. Abusive. Yeah. Yeah. So you can change the ai's personality and then you put it in bluster blaster by the way you told me last week that it was buster blaster it is not it's bluster Uh, blaster ah yes you have fallen for one of dustin's many jovial pranks one of his (laughs) uh i'm such a trickster 
did you know that the etymology of the word jovial comes from Jove, which is the name of Zeus in uh, in early Latin? Yeah. Okay. So uh, you can <laughs> no, put of course the I didn't AI in Buster Blaster, and then he starts being uh, real mean to little baby, little young little baby Max, who's playing the game at the time, which makes him stop want to uh, wanting to play, which makes him into girls because he chooses to go to uh, the prom that day instead of playing the game. Yeah, it's the only way you can uh, get Ms. Bosco to not be into Max because she likes that Max is not interested. She's not interested in these guys who come up to her and are all over her. Uh, She wants Max when he shows no interest. Yeah, she's got a self-destructive personality with that. Um, how she only wants guys who don't want her. Um, it it's it's weird because like <laughs> there's that she's she's interested in Max who's not interested in her, but she's also not interested in guys who are like all over her. She's like, oh these these stupid guys. They're they're so weak. Yeah. Well. So it's it's kind of it's kind of a double edged sword. She'll never find anyone that way. She'll never. She find doesn't have to. Way. Yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't have, have to. to. Yeah, <laughs> she built a machine for it. Yeah, she she didn't have any interest to begin with, and you just made it. So that's how it is. Dustin, which one is your favorite place to go in this episode? What's your favorite time period? Oh, favorite time period. Um, that's tough. I didn't think. Is this the new segment? Favorite time period? It's it's a one episode <laughs> segment. Wow, uh, you folks listening to this are very lucky to experience this. <laughs> I think <laughs> I like the future with future Max and Sam. Okay, I, I feel, feel like the same gets, way. You get some really good laughs from that time period. Uh, future Sam has Alzheimer's pretty bad. And yeah. <laughs> he, all he can say are um, just some of the excuses for not being able to use one item with another item. <laughs> he's just in his old age saying i can't shoot sam look alzheimer's is no laughing matter but in this case it's a hysterical laughing matter uh i guess <laughs> i i i think sam i think old sam only saying old adventure adventure game terms is so funny and you get lots of good lines and sam doesn't seem too perturbed by it he's just like oh well okay that's just the way things go. Yeah, I uh my favorite is Stinky's Diner, I think. Nice. I, that was my second choice. I was thinking about which one to say, but uh Stinky's Diner is very good as well. Yeah, it comes with the reveal that Sam invented Bluster Blaster, <laughs> which is yeah. a Star Wars reference uh to how not talked about it was that Darth Vader invented C-3PO for the entire uh, original trilogy, and then you get to see some prequel stuff, and it's like, oh yeah, I I did this. It just never came up later. We just never (laughs) wanted to talk about it. Just didn't seem relevant. Yeah. Um, And and there's another uh, Star Wars reference in that exact uh, same character in that same location, which is uh, when Max finally decides he wants to go to the prom, Sam 
talks about how he was going to go down to the mall and get some power converters. A classic oh. Star Wars reference. Ah, from from Star Wars. Yeah, from Star Wars. Uh, how Luke was going to go down to Tashi Station and get some power converters. Wow. In that in that voice. Um, <laughs> power converters are just the thing, like the little brick that you plug into the wall that the cord comes out of. It's not very Star Warsy. <laughs> you can, but you they can they sure power. make it sound futuristic and cool. Yeah, Tashi Station sounds futuristic, but uh, he's just gonna go there and <laughs> buy some USB cables. <laughs> um, it's just like a, it's just like a Circuit City down the street. Not the first time that Sam has aped Star Wars. In, what was the first one? I don't remember. In Sam and Max Hit the Road, uh, Sam reconfigures the uh, like the robot vacuum to have a hologram projected from it um, with Princess Leia saying, Help me, Sam and Max, you're my only hope. Right, that's right. Um... Yeah, at the time it made sense because it was a LucasArts game, so they were just sort of poking fun at themselves. And then once you do it, Max says that was a little that was a little excessive. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was maybe too much advertising, even for us, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Sam is very uh, mean to his past self. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's one part where. Uh... His younger self is, you know, he's talking about this scientific, this uh, technological mumbo jumbo. And older Sam just interrupts him and says, can the dork lingo, chubs? <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, so one thing I really respect about Telltale's Sam and Max series is how unwilling it is to restore a status quo. Like, it'll break the entire street and then just leave a giant monster there for the entire rest of canon. Um, yeah. And one of the things that I liked about here is you need to make Sam... or Sorry, you need to make Max like girls in order to turn off Mama Bosco. But that does not get switched around. So <laughs> that's just Max's character now. Yeah, Max went from being potentially gay to now in canon liking girls uh because he played less video games. That's a whole <laughs> bucket of worms. I don't even know how to start putting on the hook. That's a lot of things to talk about. Um uh, but that is that is something that this game does a lot, which is just uh hey no, we're changing this like forever. <laughs> like we're we're changing a, a very previously integral part of this character's personality, and it's just going to stay that way. Does that does it come up in any future episodes? I don't remember. I don't recall, but I bet it does. I bet it does somewhere. Maybe next episode, even. We'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing if they stuck to their guns or not. Yeah. Um. Other things that we find out in this episode that are significant. Uh, Bosco had six items behind his counter the whole time during season one that could have instantly solved any of the uh, episodes in season one. Well, we knew about that in the last episode of season one, but you see him 
in this episode. That's true. That's that's attention to detail. Yeah, in the in the last episode of season one, when you do your little, uh, do you have any? And then you ask him. It's like, do you have any uh, recording contracts? And he'll say yes to all of them for every one of the past episodes. Yeah, I wrote them down here. We have a filled out uh, alternate personality disorder form, which would have just gotten you into the theater in episode one. Um, you've got a tape of a chicken eating manure, which would have been great for that's, Midtown Cowboys. That's what it was. Uh, you've got a meatball GPS system where you can just instantly <laughs> locate meatballs. Uh, you've got a sign that says, don't vote for me, which would have helped because you just give Abraham Lincoln the signs in uh, episode four. You have cheat codes for reality 2.0. Which is weird that there weren't any cheat codes in the actual reality 2.0. That would be fun to have. Maybe it just would have been too much with the uh, altering of uh, space yeah. with the cops in that episode. I guess those are those are presented as glitches rather than cheat codes, which are sort of the new cheat codes. Video games don't often have cheat codes anymore. I miss cheat codes. They were fun. Yeah, you could make entire books about them. People sold books about cheat codes. I I the remember Tips and Tricks magazine back when I was a wee tyke. I looked in the back of that thing. I guess that's another kind of design flaw when you can just go into the store and look up the codes in the back without buying the magazine. But, yeah, uh, I mean, that's I, every I magazine, got, though. Yeah, I got the cheats for Sonic 2. I was a big Sonic 2 guy at the time, and I got the level select cheat. Uh, debug menu or debug code cheat and uh, just all of those cheats and I was like whoa that's crazy I could just do all this I'm looking at my uh, my shelf right now and I have a Brady Games Secret Codes 2003 book wow um, is do you want to okay I'm going to get it hang on okay <laughs> <laughs> That was that was almost twenty years ago. Yeah, it's it's eighteen years ago. I've got this book that I had uh, at the time. For it, the cover says PlayStation, PlayStation Two, Game Boy Advance, Xbox, and GameCube. What kind of what kind of game from around two thousand three or before, like five years before? Do you want me to look up for you right now in this book? Uh, wow, that. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. Even by that era, I don't think I was like really looking up cheat codes that much. Mm -hmm. it, it was kind of more like Super Nintendo Genesis era where I was like, oh, cheat codes. Awesome. Um, I don't know. I, I have so many options. I can't think of any. I'm paralyzed with uh, choicing anxiety. Okay, well, let me let me see what we got. We got a okay. We've got SSX Tricky for the GameCube. Uh, That's a good one. Unlock everything at the main menu. Hold L and R, and press A B Z X Y Z B Y Z X A Z. Then release L and R, and you'll unlock everything. Wow, you could just do. That would be so useful for games these days. Like, you know, in Smash Ultimate, you had to unlock every character. Yeah. Imagine imagine just having a code. And maybe you could have something like that where you're like, maybe it doesn't save it, but you can put in the code 
Yeah. And you'll just have everything if you just want to do like a tournament or something. They should have done that. Four tournaments. That would have been great. Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. Night of 100 Frights. All, I remember that one. All power-ups. Pause the game, hold L and R, and press X, B, X, B, X, B three times, X, X, B, X three times, and release L and R, and you'll get all power-ups. You, you know what's great? Uh, since cheap magazines like this don't exist anymore, this podcast is your one-stop shop for Scooby-Doo Night of a Hundred Frights cheat codes. Yeah, for for those uh, for those two games, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> yeah, you want all the power-ups? Don't worry, we got you. Yeah, Rayman Arena for PlayStation Two. All skins enter Carnival. All battle levels enter All Fish. All Fish. Old TV screen effect enter Old TV. <laughs> I'm a massive, massive Rayman fan, but that's like the one I haven't played. I feel like it's the one um, a lot of people haven't played. Uh, Sorry, so this was a diversion. (laughs) Uh, But the the sixth (laughs) and final item that Bosco had behind the counter was a jar of pickles. (laughs) And I don't exactly remember what's up with that. I don't either. So it would be for Bright Side of the Moon. Was Mr. Featherly doing something with getting stuff out of the hat? Was there pickles involved with that? Um, I don't remember. Is that Was that the, like, talisman for it, maybe? It's been a while. Maybe. But something it about hasn't pickles been a while. sounds It right. has not been a while. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a while since I thought about it. Yeah, that's true. Um, actually, also not true. <laughs> it, it's really been a very small amount of time. But I, I feel that uh, that leech of time from my memory as well. I, a lot of stuff's just leaving the head almost immediately yeah, once, after we record the podcast. Yeah, once you talk about it on the podcast, you can just forget all of it. <laughs> Uh, okay, another big reveal in this episode is that uh, Bosco's dad is JFK. <laughs> That's true. What a bizarre thing. What a twist. He doesn't look much like JFK. Yeah. At all. <laughs> in any way. <laughs> which which is weird because when you get uh, Super Ball's DNA, when you get his saliva, uh, for those listening, you have... Bosco is a test tube baby, so there's... Uh, Ms. Bosco has a machine for it, and it has her DNA in one slot, and you can put DNA of anyone else, well, anyone else you can get DNA from, which is just like two people, in that spot, in that other spot, and if you put Super Ball's saliva in that spot, Bosco becomes like a Super Ball Bosco. Yeah, he's very polite and well-spoken, but also sort of still looks like Bosco. Yeah. Uh, they probably could have just kept him like that and it would have been fine, but they wanted the real Bosco, so. Yeah, it turns out he, uh, you get the saliva of the president from a letter, from an envelope that's in Stinky's diner. And you put that in and it turns Bosco back to normal. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what the implications of that are. Me neither. <laughs> uh, it, 
I guess it means that he uh, he's half black and half white, which um, I don't really no, I don't know what it means. I don't think it means anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, just a fun little joke, I guess. Yeah, it's just a fun little joke. Um, let's see, is there anything else? I'm looking at my notes. Oh, uh, in Bosco's store, he has a theory of everything that looks sort of like the master plan that you see for Hugh Bliss's uh, takeover at the end of season one. It's just a poster. Mm-hmm. But Bosco's theory of everything is a much messier, mostly incorrect um, collection of uh, connections drawn between two non-connected things. And he, and he has Hugh Bliss's master plan on there, too. Yeah. Um, some of my favorites... Uh, I looked at that, that wall for a long time. Some of my, favorites <laughs> thing, uh, my favorite things on here are... Uh, all of the connections drawn between Bessie the cow from Midtown Cowboys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw Bessie connected to the soda poppers. Yeah, Bessie is connected to the soda poppers with a line that says the word Baltimore. Um, <laughs> as in, are they both from Baltimore? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and, then, and then the word truth is pointing to a connection between Bessie equals Myra. So Myra just Ooh. is Bessie the cow. That's the truth. That's not true, though. Yeah, that's Myra untrue. had Bessie on her show. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually untrue. I understand how you, you can get truth and untruth uh, confused like that. <laughs> There's another little notepad. <laughs> this one's my favorite. There's a little note on the wall that says 1,040 minus 540 equals 500. And then it has a bunch of exclamation points after it. <laughs> like they, He just figured it out. The big secret. <laughs> Just some, some wow. arbitrary numbers subtracted from each other are is another arbitrary number. <laughs> it all comes together. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with this episode? Um, this is the one episode where you don't go to the street at all. There's yeah. no... You, you go to old stinky's diner but you don't go to new stinky's diner you don't see sybil at all in this episode you're never walking you're never outside you're never outside. you're always inside which is which ties into what you were saying earlier about it feeling claustrophobic um that might be it the just the fact that you never go outside in this episode you never yeah are outside of a building or ship that that I, actually I feel makes like it, it feel works. smaller yeah, I feel like it works uh, for this one episode just because, I guess just because it is so weird, just because you're doing all this time hopping everywhere, you're on this spaceship. Uh, I don't know, I feel like the uh, claustrophobic feeling kind of lends to this, to that feeling of uh, being unnerved. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. You have Cal Bosco. Cal Bosco. I have in my notes, Cal Bosco is a striking visual. <laughs> well, it, it it is, but it also sort of shouldn't be because Max comments on uh, at the time that you know Sam is also an animal human hybrid in the same way that Cal Bosco is. I I don't know if I'd say in the same way. I guess it's it's not the same way because Sam's head is a dog's head and body is mostly a man's body, uh, which is the the <laughs> inverse. But the amount of each is, is similar to Cal Bosco. 
Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. I guess it just works a little better the way Sam and Max do it. Yeah. Well, Max is Max is more of a regular. Well, I guess he's not a rabbit in the way that uh, <laughs> I was going to say. I don't know. Look. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, my, oh, one one big thing that we forgot to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. When they show up in the WARP studios again, which shows up again. Oh, uh, right. How could we forget? Right at the end of that episode, they meet their past self from a year and a half ago. And then their past selves steal the elevator. And the Sam and Max that we've been playing as have to relive the their past year and a half. They had to do all of season one after that point all over again and all of season two up to that point all over again yeah that's um six seven episodes (laughs) imagine if we had to replay seven episodes of sam and max (laughs) can you imagine a worse hell (laughs) Uh, (laughs) we've we've been replaying a lot of episodes of sam and max We've replayed 10 so far, actually. That's true. Um, oh, we also find out that THEM uh, stands for the Temporal Headquarters of Enlightened Mariachis. It's <laughs> a good acronym. Yeah, I can honestly say I would not have guessed that had I not known about the mariachis. I would not describe these mariachis as enlightened. They, they uh, don't seem ma- to know what they're doing. That's well, maybe they're enlightened in a grander sense. They like they are enlightened in that they want to they know how to be happy, which is to wish people happy birthday. Did somebody say birthday? Yes, I just did. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> well, I think we can if you want head right into our segments. I think that's a fair thing to do. Um I think that covers everything I had in my notes. Oh, no, one thing I had was uh, when you meet Mr. Featherly at the beginning of the creation of the universe, uh, he mentions how they were recording a Midtown Cowboys movie that Sam and Max just weren't involved with at all. Yeah, and for some reason he needed to study the beginning of the universe in order to get ready for his role. (laughs) What was that movie going to be about? (laughs) Why was he going to play the singularity? (laughs) <laughs> Why in Midtown Cowboys? He's already got a role in Midtown Cowboys. He should be content. <laughs> yeah, he's already making thousands of dollars from posters. I wonder if it's ever actually happened that a show with only one episode has gotten a movie. <laughs> I <laughs> I would guess not, but I've never looked into it. I wonder if a failed pilot has ever become a movie in in a in a notable way. You know what? Actually, kind of. Okay. Now that I think about it, because like this wasn't a theatrical movie, but so Adult Swim way back in the day they had a pilot called uh, That Crooked Sip, and this was like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I think, and it didn't go to series. They had like one eleven minute pilot for it. And instead of doing a show on it, they made a movie based on it afterwards. So okay. not like not on that grand a scale, but it technically did happen. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to think if anything else happened. Uh, Firefly is similar. It only got 13 episodes and then it got a movie. 
Um, but that's still 13 episodes. It's not one. That's still pretty impressive, though. Just one season and then you get a movie. I would not be surprised if Jimmy Neutron did that. If it if there was a. If there was a pilot before they made the movie Jimmy Neutron. Um, I think, but I don't think the pilot ever aired. I think it was just they took it to Nick and then Nick did a movie first before the series. There's a podcast interview with the creator of Jimmy Neutron on the uh, Nickelodeon animation podcast. I'll have to listen to that again. I think he talks about it. It's just called the Nickelodeon animation podcast. Yeah. Um, it was a few years ago. They did like three seasons of it, I think. And you can just find it on whatever podcast. They just interview a bunch of uh, creators, animators, voice artists. That sounds cool. Listen to it after this, though. Yeah, don't. Don't you like, stop clicked this, out of this for anything. We still have a few more words to say. Yeah. Such as linguistic gymnastics. <laughs> it's time. Uh, Dustin, I want to go first. You go first, because last time I had two that were the same as yours. Okay. <laughs> uh, Flint Paper, in trying to express his desperation about how he can't find Bosco, explains that the trial, uh, uh, the trail has dried up like a hobo's inner thigh. <laughs> uh, a terrifying visual. Uh, Very dry, I guess. When they first, at the very beginning of the episode, Sam Max and Flint Paper break into Bosco's and they say that we need to use every detective skill we know to find Bosco. And then they just aimlessly start shooting everything. And then they say, <laughs> ah, I guess that didn't work. Uh, that's good. That's a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mama Bosco is explaining her need to make a baby making machine. Uh, she says how she doesn't need a man. And then she says, they can talk about putting a person on the moon and I can make a baby making machine. Uh, I like the phrasing <laughs> on they can talk about putting a person on the moon because it's not 1969 yet. It, like it's close. <laughs> it's only been discussed. <laughs> it's only been discussed, but the discussions are getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and this this one's my favorite one of the episode. They show up at Stinky's in 1980. And Max says, Stinky, are we glad to see you? And Stinky says, why? And then they sort of <laughs> both look at each other and they don't have an answer. And then Sam says, still, it's a new person to talk to. Uh, I thought <laughs> that, that was pretty good. good. And let's see. Do I have anything? Um, okay, so <laughs> this is not a funny line or anything. I just thought it was powerful um, how when the mariachis come to the 1960s to play their happy birthday song for Super Bowl, mm -hmm. Super Bowl uh, tells them, gracias, senores, this has been the best birthday ever. <laughs> and that made me feel very <laughs> sad for Super Bowl. I, I had that written down, too. <laughs> oh, this, sorry. That's all it took to give them a happy birthday <laughs> uh what are yours okay so let me check let me check i i thought i thought this episode was very funny i had a lot of lines written down um oh where's my first one 
Um, give me a second. Give me a second. Oh, okay. So my first one is uh, when you go in the bathroom. When you go in the bathroom in, I think it's in the sixties, or maybe it was in Bosco's normal store. Uh, Sam says, "Why did we come in here again?" Max says, "I just assumed you had to go number one." And Sam says, "Nah, I save it all up between cases." <laughs> that is good. <laughs> Uh, one exchange I really like is, uh, when you're in the bathroom the first time and you find, uh, the wine, Sam opens it and he says, uh, some idiot took the cork out, Max. It's turned to vinegar. But then, uh, when you go into the past in the sixties, you find a bottle of vinegar and Max says, uh, some idiot left the cork in. It's still wine. <laughs> uh i i liked a lot of uh elderly sam's uh adventure lines like stuff like i can't shoot max and uh nah i don't want to keep these shoestrings and uh it's it's lint from my pocket this will be useful later <laughs> <laughs> i got i got a really good laugh from a uh, future max uh, when you're done talking to him and you say goodbye, uh, Max says, uh, so long, that's how we say goodbye in the future. That's good. That's a Dustin <laughs> joke for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have another one that's uh, a very Dustin joke. <laughs> like, along those same lines. Um, I'll just do two more. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, when you're in the future... Uh, so you need to find out the secret ingredient for uh, the tar cake. And you find it by looking at uh, the poster. In the future, uh, Stinky's tar cake has revolutionized everything. It, it's like, it's a super powerful adhesive that keeps everything together in the future. So Stinky is very famous. Uh, there's a flyer in their office that just tells you what the secret ingredient is. And uh, Max says... It can't be all that secret if it's a if it's on a poster. And Sam says, maybe secrets are different in the future. Ooh. <laughs> That's thoughtful. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> just so blunt, maybe secrets are different. Uh got any more? Uh, yes, my last one is when you scan Grandpa Stinky and it doesn't work. We kind of alluded to this earlier. I'm so glad you didn't say the line. Uh, Sam says, weird. It doesn't work on him for some incomprehensible reason we don't care enough about to pursue further. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sam, in this episode, both through the one you control and future Sam, really lean hard into the uh, incidental phrases that you have to say as an adventure game protagonist. I, I love past Sam saying it, too, when he's just walking around the ship like, uh, it's it's the ancient charred uh, remains of an Egyptian mummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or like, uh, that's Max. If, uh, if you go back to the ship uh, and you interact with one of the displays from the just the, the technology they have, Sam says there's either a giant fire in the lower pulsar combustor. Or I don't know how to read this thing at all. <laughs> That's a good... This episode's so good. It's just so interesting. It has so many good lines. I feel like 
I said it earlier, but up to this point, this is my favorite episode. It just has so much going for it. I think I still might like Ice Station Santa more than this. That's fair, too. Like I said with my Zelda comparison earlier, I think Ice Station Santa is a better example of, like, your typical Sam and Max. Like, what you expect from Sam and Max. This one kind of goes off the beaten path a little bit. Yeah, this one gets meta with it. This one is an episode about itself as a series, which becomes the default of what Telltale does with Sam and Max pretty much from every episode now on, including next episode and every episode in season three. Um, it, it, it gets very introspective on, like, what does it mean to be an episode of Sam and Max? Why... <laughs> <laughs> why be Sam and Max? What, what does Sam and Max do? Uh, a question we ask ourselves every day. Yeah, I'm just lying in the tub thinking to myself. <laughs> what does it mean to be Sam and Max? What do be Sam and Max, fleet? though? <laughs> um, how about your potent pickup? What's your potent pickup? I, f- I had to go with the carbon data. Yeah, it's the I carbon mean, data for it, sure. Yeah. It it's just you know the whole crux of the whole episode, and there's you can just scan so many people. It felt good scanning a character and getting a card from it. It's like yes, now I can go here. That's awesome. Yeah, like even though it's obvious, like even though that's the whole thing you're supposed to do, uh, it just felt good when you're like, now I can go to the '60s. Now I can go to Sam and Max's office. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely mine too. Uh, it's. It can't really be anything else. It's too good. Um, yeah, but my runner-up, since that one is just so obvious, my runner-up is Mr. Featherly. Mr. Featherly as an object is, is another great thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know he was your unguy of the week last week, but I feel like as an inventory item, he works a lot better. As a resident of the beginning of the universe and just being as confused about it as you are, he's a lot <laughs> better than he was last week. He really stepped it up, unlike Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, who's your guy of the week? So, I'll let you go first for guy of the week, since I went, since we kind of alternated these last two segments. This one was really hard for me. Uh, I agree. But I ended up going with Old Pedro. That is a very good pick. Uh, he's he's the only mariachi of the three versions of Pedro that I like, but old Pedro, um, he he talks about how he needs to stay on the ship to do the songs and everything that he likes to do, but also mostly because he needs to fix the printer to make an old man feel useful, uh, which is a very <laughs> sad line. Uh, yeah, it makes you feel for him. Pedro is great. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he has a great song. He uh, he has goals in his life that he wants to accomplish, and he does it, and, and doggone it, I'm happy for him. Yeah, it's great. Um, I really like that you see all the different versions of him in the past, and like you said earlier, you kind of see his life go to different places. He go He becomes a solo mariachi act for a while, but then later in life he comes back to help his past selves when he's older. It, it's crazy. A solo mariachi act is not good. Wait, no, no. He says his mariachi songs are are so over. Now he's going to write songs about trains. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> now a solo song about a train. That's what's up. 
Yeah, now you got something. <laughs> now you're cooking with gas. <laughs> um, oh, I actually had that line written down. I forgot to say it. Mariachi music is old news. I'm going to sing songs about trains. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, He's got that passion. So who's your guy? I think my guy of the week, it is very hard. I feel like everyone this week just really brought it. Everyone was funny. Everyone had a good... Uh, a good reason to be there. A good team effort. I think I'm gonna give it to Mama Bosco, but with an asterisk in that it's partly because of her role in the future of Sam and Max. Hmm. Okay. Um, but I thought she was a fun character in this episode. I thought her uh, voice performance was uh, very well done. Uh, her design is cool. Uh, and then in second place, I have Old Sam and Max. Old Sam and Max are very good. Yes, they're they're just very funny. I didn't realize it. I said it earlier, but I never realized while playing this game just how many versions of Sam and Max there are. There's the Sam and Max we control. There's Old Sam and Max. There's Young Sam and Max. There's Sam and Max from season one. That's four sets of Sam and Max in this episode. It's a lot of That's- Sam's and Mac. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, great. very strong episode. It was very hard to pick a guy of the week. And I don't have any unguys of the week. Yeah, I, I think if I were to unguy the week something, mm-hmm. it would just be the person that is maybe bringing the least amount to the table, but they're still fine. Um, mm-hmm. it, it might be the other two versions of Pedro, actually. M- M- Pedro might bookend my guy of the week spectrum. That's interesting. I like that your whole, both guys of the <laughs> week are Pedro. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same guy. Uh, I can see that. The other two don't really do much. You just have to give one the, uh, w- well, no, I, I really like the one who's listening because, uh, you trick him because he keeps listening for birthday. He he's listening for someone uh saying birthdays so he can time travel and sing to him. But Sam and Max start messing with him, but he's a champ about it. He he's uh, entertained by it like they're like, uh say Max, what is the uh uh is it the twenty second of April that's Earth Day? Yeah. Yeah, he said, What's the twenty second of April? Uh well, Sam, I believe that's Earth Day. And he says, Did someone say Oh, you guys, <laughs> you tricksters. Yeah, they do it with Perth Day, Colin Firth Day. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like I like that this Pedro is kind of, he's okay with the jokes. He's like, all right. Yeah, he's not rascals. too mad about it. He he appreciates <laughs> yeah. the humor. It, it's it's really just the other one who's who has, uh, but he has the line about trains, so. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't. I don't have an unguy, but I maybe. Do you? It, what do we do? Do we force ourselves to pick an unguy, or is there just no unguy? I I think we don't have to do an unguy. I mean, it's not a segment we had since the beginning of the show. We just started doing it when uh, Lincoln started rubbing us the wrong way. Oh, you know who I can easily throw an unguy at and not feel bad about it is the Moai heads. Who? Oh, that's true. They don't really do anything. Yeah, I kind of forgot for a moment that they showed up. At all. Yeah, I don't I don't dislike them in this, but, you know, they don't bring anything. And if you have to throw a character under the bus, I, I guess they work. Yeah, they're the ones to do. They're the ones to throw. Yeah. Stupid Moai heads. 
Okay, well... I like Moai heads, actually. I like oh, okay. Moai heads a lot, just, just not... <laughs> I'm sorry, well, not I, speci- I felt like not I specifically these you ones. into not liking them now. No, no, these ones don't bring much to this episode. I'm just saying, in general, I like Moai heads. Oh, okay. In general, I have one on my desk, actually. It's a small oh, wooden neat. Moai head, uh, but it's it's carved to fit my uh, my glasses. If I put my glasses oh, on them, it's like a glasses holder. You should take a picture after and let me see. I want to see this Moai head. I'll do that. I'll do that for you. I'll do that right now. Thanks. Because wow. now is almost after. Uh, that's <laughs> been the show, folks. Thanks for listening. That's been Sam and Max Beyond Time and Space, episode 204, Chariots of the Dogs. Uh, next episode, we'll be checking out Sam and Max Beyond Time and Space, episode 205, What's new, Beelzebub? And uh, should we say what we're doing after that? Let's save it for after we're done with that. Okay. We'll, we'll let the mystery kind of stew and build up for this next week. Yeah. Um, actually, if anyone has a preference, uh, let us know if you if you care. Like, are you playing along with us or are you just listening? Uh, hit me up and tell me. I assume most aren't playing along but i don't know i i would play along if i were listening to this podcast (laughs) if i wasn't already playing them yeah if i was already not playing them i would start doing it and then i would not listen to the podcast because i'd be i'd have my fill already yeah i mean we're not doing these like in any particular order i mean we're kind so far we've been kind of chronological but not really since we kind of jumped around a little bit but uh, if anyone listening has a game they're particularly interested in hearing us uh, talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, we don't have to play them in any particular order if anyone's like, oh, I'm just dying for them to get to this one. Uh, I'd be fine with just going like totally out of order. Yeah, there's a few titles that I do want to get to sooner than later. Um, but other than mm-hmm. that, we're pretty flexible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, at some point, we're, this is not the next one we're doing, but at some point in the future, we should probably uh, get The Walking Dead Season 1 in here in order to uh, start talking about the progression of Telltale games as they went along into their uh, old age. Right. That That's not a bad idea. I've been wanting to uh, replay it myself. I've never played it past episode one. I feel like it, it'll be an interesting one to do, like, uh, linguistic gymnastics and uh, weekly guys for, just because it's so different. Like, this, Walking Dead is not a comedy-based game. Yeah, I think that we'll probably have to make new segments, especially for the, uh, well, we have been making new segments for all of the various things we've been doing so far. Um mm-hmm. Uh, we'll keep linguistics gymnastics around uh, as long as we can, but there's some Telltale games that definitely don't apply to that so much. Yeah, I mean, Walking Dead still has some humor in it, so I feel like it might even be a good thing to have linguistic gymnastics around, just because it'll be more focused than it is with Sam and Max. Because with Sam and Max, we have like four or five lines each for like every episode. With Walking Dead, it might be a little easier to pick, like, one or two that we really like. Sure. And I'm I'm excited to finish this, not to get it over with or anything, but um, Sam and Max Season 2 
has gone by so fast. Yeah, we're already done with episode four. Yeah, we, we're already. We only have one more episode, episode in the next week. Yeah, season one felt like an accomplishment. Doing a whole podcast about all of the episodes in season one, and this has not felt that way. <laughs> this is this is just zoomed by. Yeah, I guess it was just because we were just starting. We were really getting used to it. It felt like uh, we really pushed our way through that first season. But even if you include like the Bone episodes and uh, Telltale Texas Hold'em and Sam and Max season two, for some reason, it, to me, it doesn't feel as long as all of season one of Sam and Max did. Yeah. Even though it is yeah. more. I guess that's just the uh, the fallacy of imagining how long your life is as you grow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess I hadn't thought of it like that. <laughs> well, you, you know, like for a for a little kid, if you have to wait a week for something, that's basically like waiting a year for something when you're 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, that makes me depressed. So, Dustin, where can people find you? <laughs> people can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amazing DJ Dustin. Uh, I post all sorts of little uh, just little drawings here and there, little doodles, little scribbles. Uh, Mitch, where where can they find you? You can find me in that uh, little empty box in your heart, labeled at the th or at the wolf fm. That's at symbol t h e w o l f e f m on Twitter, where I tweet about nothing in particular. I should probably get more focused on there in order to build a brand, but I've not done that. I've not built a brand. That's okay. I have a podcast. <laughs> I have this podcast. Yeah. I've heard of that one. Yeah. Uh, please do subscribe, by the way, if you're not subscribed or subscribed to the show. Uh, we are trying to put episodes out every week, and the more listeners we have, the more motivation we have to keep putting out episodes. Additionally, um, just storing the episodes is expensive, so please give us a reason to do it. Uh, yeah, just remember, if you don't listen to the podcast, this podcast's blood is on your hands. That's so true, Dustin. Thank you for putting it that way. I, uh, <laughs> I've i been searching for a, a way to convey that information to our audience. <laughs> so, that being said, thank you for listening. See you later. Goodbye. Mariachi, I, 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 I come back from the future and pick up young versions of me in our spaceship. I...